episode of Muslims Want to Know, the show where I try to answer the questions you have about the Bible and Christianity. I'm your host, Reverend Eric Mason. We will get to our questions for today in just a moment, but first, some business. If you like this podcast, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you stay up to date on all new podcast episodes. Also, would you take a minute and review this podcast? The more reviews the podcast receives, the more it comes up as a recommendation for other people. The more it comes up as a recommendation, the more other folks get a chance to hear answers to their thoughtful questions. And speaking of questions, if you have specific questions about what you hear on the show or want me to elaborate a bit more on a topic, you can submit questions to our official Twitter handle at Rev Eric Mason or by visiting our page at www.anchor.fm forward slash Muslims want to know. As always, each podcast builds on the information from the previous ones. So if you're joining us for the first time, I recommend going back and listening to the previous episodes before resuming this one. Here is our recap. Last time, you and I looked at the answers to the question, does Jesus have authority over evil spirits? In that episode, we learned that evil spirits are actually demons. Demons are fallen angels who are led by Satan to lead as many humans as possible away from the true path of God. They do this by tempting us into sin, by shaming us with our sins, by twisting God's words, sowing doubt into our faith, and, if allowed, they can harm us, our family, and property. But with such supernatural odds stacked against us, there is good news and hope. When we come under attack from evil spirits, we can invoke Lord Jesus' name. Doing so allows us to command the evil spirits to leave us alone. But full, lasting protection comes when we put our faith in Lord Jesus and turn from all our old ways. When we place our faith in Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God regenerates us. Now this doesn't mean demons won't try to tempt, shame, twist God's word, sow doubts, or harm us. But what it does mean is that we now have an ability to recognize a spiritual attack as it's happening and respond by praying for protection from Lord Jesus. Now I promise this episode will be much lighter in subject material than the last episode. Today, you and I are continuing our conversation on Lord Jesus' power and authority. The question we are looking at today is, does Jesus have authority over creation? Now, this question isn't necessarily a big question of Islam, but it directly relates to the question, is Jesus God? Which is one of the bigger questions my Muslim friends often ask me. So to answer this question today, you and I are going to look at whether or not Jesus is really God or whether he was just a prophet. Now I want you to pay particular attention to how I'm going to distinguish whether Lord Jesus is just a prophet or if he's truly God. You see, if Lord Jesus exercises his power and authority only on behalf of God, then he is only a prophet. However, if Lord Jesus demonstrates authority and power toward elements only God has authority and power over, then we must conclude 
Lord Jesus is God. In order to adequately answer this question for today, you and I first need to look at how God works through prophets. In particular, how does God work miracles through prophets? You see, prophets are chosen and divinely inspired by God to deliver messages to his people. The words a prophet speaks are the very words of God, even though they are delivered to a particular culture through a particular language, dialect, and personality. Occasionally, prophets demonstrate God's messages through miraculous events. Now, a prophet does not have authority or power to work a miracle. Instead, a miracle is a direct result of the authority and power of God as it is expressed through the prophet. Prophets also take great lengths to make sure the people understand that it is God who is at work in the miracle and only God who gets the glory for the miracle, not the prophet. Now, there are times when Lord Jesus tells his followers that his message is a message from his Father, who is God. There are other times when Lord Jesus says his works are the works of his Father. And these comments lead a lot of my Muslim friends to say, Aha! You see, Lord Jesus is a great prophet, nothing more. Or they will say something like this, Well, here Jesus says God did the miracle. But in another place, it says the Holy Spirit did the miracle. So what's going on? I completely understand why some of these verses and passages can cause so much confusion. And this is why it's really important to remember that Christians believe in the triune God. If you have further questions about the Trinity, I recommend going back and listening to Episode 3, Do Christians Believe in Three Gods or One God? Now, if you remember... God is one being who eternally exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In fact, in one of our ancient creeds, we say, The Father begets the Son, and the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. But such language is really confusing when we think of the words begetting, and we think of the word procession as a sequence of events in time and space. Instead, we have to remember that for all eternity, God has existed as Father, as Son, and as Holy Spirit. That means he's always existed as Father begetting Son and Holy Spirit proceeding from the Father and Son. Now, Lord Jesus is the Son of God who took on flesh. So when Lord Jesus tells his followers he's speaking on behalf of the Father, he is speaking as one who intimately knows the Father as a direct result of his relationship with the Father within the Trinity. Yes, Lord Jesus is delivering the words of the Father to humanity, but those words also originate within Lord Jesus himself as well. The three is one, and the one is three. And this is why it's so important you and I look at how Lord Jesus exercises his power and authority. Does the manner in which he exercises power and authority align more with a prophet? Or does it align more with God himself? You see, if Lord Jesus is merely a great prophet, then his authority over creation will not come from any power inherent within him. 
It will come from God's authority and power as it works through him. Also, if Lord Jesus is just a prophet, he will take no credit for any miracle. Instead, he will give all glory to God every time. But if Lord Jesus is God, if he truly is God, then Lord Jesus' power and authority will be uniquely displayed as having originated within himself. At the same time, if Lord Jesus is God, then he will be able to accept worship for those miracles, which is something a prophet would never do. In order to understand what I mean by all this, let's take a look at how Moses acts as a prophet. Exodus chapter 14, verses 15 through 31. The Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to break camp. As for you, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. As for me, I'm going to harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them, and I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh, all his army, and his chariots and horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I receive glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who was going in front of the Israelite forces, moved and went behind them. The pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and stood behind them. It came between the Egyptians and the Israelite forces. There was a cloud and darkness. It lit up the night and neither group came near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove back the sea with a powerful east wind all that night and turned the sea into dry land. So the waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with the waters like a wall to them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians set out in pursuit all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen, and went into the sea after them. During the morning watch, the Lord looked down at the Egyptian forces from the pillar of fire and cloud and threw the Egyptian forces into confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve and made them drive with difficulty. Let's get away from Israel, the Egyptians said, because the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back on the Egyptians, on their chariots and horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea returned to its normal depth. When the Egyptians were trying to escape from it, the Lord threw them into the sea. The water came back and covered the chariots and horsemen, plus the entire army of Pharaoh that had gone after them into the sea. Not even one of them survived. But the Israelites had walked through the sea on dry ground, with the waters like a wall to them on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the power of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power the Lord used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and believed in him and in his servant Moses. The parting of the Red Sea is one of the greatest miracles attributed to the prophetic ministry of Moses. Notice one thing about this story. At all points, God is glorified, not Moses. God is the one who gives instructions to Moses. 
Moses obeys those instructions and, as a result, God delivers the Israelites and destroys the Egyptians. God's authority and power over creation is made known to the Israelites and Egyptians through his authority over nature. At no point does Moses claim to have authority and power over nature, and at no point does Moses attribute the miracle to any power inherent within himself. All the glory goes to God. Now let's compare that story with a story about Lord Jesus. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. Immediately, he, Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. And Jesus came toward them, walking on the sea very early in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. And immediately Jesus spoke to them, Have courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! And immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is a much different story than the story about Moses. Remember, God is the one who gives instructions to Moses. Moses obeys those instructions, and as a result, God's authority and power over creation is made known to the Israelites and Egyptians through his authority over nature. In this story, Lord Jesus does several things that distinguish him as God and not just a great prophet. Number one, Lord Jesus displays his power and authority over creation by walking on the water and calming the storm. Number two, Lord Jesus identifies himself as God when he says the words, it is I. Number three, Lord Jesus allows his power and authority to work through Peter. Number four, Lord Jesus accepts worship from the disciples and allows them to call him the Son of God. Number one, Lord Jesus displays his power and authority over creation by walking on the water and calming the storm. Unlike Moses, Lord Jesus does not need to appeal to God for authority or power to display his authority over creation. Lord Jesus is the Son of God, and therefore God himself. Lord Jesus, being fully God and fully man, contains the authority and power over creation to walk on top of the water. Although creation itself cannot intellectually comprehend God, when it comes into contact with the authority and power of Lord Jesus, 
creation glorifies and serves the will of God. In this way, Lord Jesus is glorified as God by the way which nature responds to his will. This kind of power and authority is found only in God, not angels and not men. One thing to note, angels are given power and authority over aspects of creation, but such power and authority must be freely exercised in alignment with God's will. Number two, Lord Jesus identifies himself as God when he says the words, It is I. Upon seeing the Lord Jesus walking on the water, the disciples cry out, It's a ghost! The word for ghost used in the original Greek is the word phantasma. Fun fact. The word phantasma is a unique word. The best translation in English is the word ghost, which is derived from the German word geist, which means spirit. We often think of ghosts as spirits of the deceased. However, the original Greek meaning has more to do with the idea of what is real and what is not real. When the disciples yell out, it's a ghost, the implication is not that they believe they are literally seeing the spirit of a deceased person, but that they are questioning if what they are seeing is actually real. It's more like they're saying, do our eyes deceive us? Is this a vision? Now, what does any of that have to do with Lord Jesus identifying himself as God? Well, What's more interesting than the disciples questioning reality and questioning what they're seeing is how Lord Jesus responds to their fear. He says, have courage, it is I. In the Old Testament, God appeared to Moses in a burning bush. God told Moses to free the Israelites from the Egyptians and said that he would be their protector. Moses questioned God saying, if the Israelites ask me, what is God's name, what should I tell them? And God said, this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am in Greek is ego eimi. When Lord Jesus says, it is I, he used the words ego eimi in the exact same way God did in the Old Testament. Literally, Lord Jesus is saying, take courage, I am, meaning, do not be afraid, I am God. Number three, Lord Jesus allows his power and authority to work through Peter. If Lord Jesus were just a prophet, Matthew would have made it very clear that Lord Jesus' ability to call Peter onto the water would have been the continued result of God working through Lord Jesus. But that's not what the text says at all. The story is clear that Lord Jesus is the one who has the power and authority to work through others to display his power and authority. Like the prophets, Peter makes an appeal to God. Peter calls out to Lord Jesus, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. In doing so, Peter appeals to the authority and power of Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, who is fully God, fully man, works through Peter by allowing Peter to do the miraculous. And what does Lord Jesus say? 
He simply says, come. Peter's ability to walk on the water is a direct result of his faith in who Lord Jesus is. Now notice something here. The moment Peter gets distracted by the winds and the waves, the moment he takes his eyes off of Lord Jesus, well, that's the moment he begins to doubt not only his own ability to walk on the water, but it's the moment Peter begins to doubt reality, and he doubts Lord Jesus' authority and power to keep Peter above the water. The moment doubt enters Peter's mind and heart, he begins to sink into the water. When confronted with drowning, Peter has no choice but to throw himself at the mercy of Lord Jesus. And despite the doubts in Peter's mind and Peter's heart, Lord Jesus extends his hand and pulls Peter above the waters. Number four, Lord Jesus accepts worship from the disciples and allows them to call him the Son of God. After the disciples are confronted with seeing Lord Jesus exhibit his power and authority over creation, after witnessing Lord Jesus work through Peter with that same power and authority, Lord Jesus' disciples worshipped Lord Jesus as God and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, if Lord Jesus had just been a prophet, the first thing he would have done was correct them. He would have said, No, it was not through my power and authority that I was able to do these things, but God alone. Instead, Lord Jesus accepts their worship of him. He also allows them to call him the Son of God. Now remember, the term Son of God is not a generic term as in, we are all sons and daughters of God. It was a specific term assigned to Lord Jesus, who is the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. Again, if Lord Jesus had only been a prophet, he would have called out the disciples for idolatry and blasphemy. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 8, Isaiah writes of God, I am the Lord, that is my name, and I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. Well, I believe our question today has been sufficiently answered. Does Lord Jesus have authority over creation? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because Lord Jesus is God, he has authority over creation. But other than answering a question, what does this passage actually mean for us today? A big part of the story centers around the deity of Lord Jesus. And yes, that's true. But the real message of this passage is a message about faith. You see, when confronted with the authority and power of God in the flesh, Peter walks out on the water and becomes distracted by the wind and the waves. Like Peter, it's easy for us to take our eyes off of God and focus on the winds and the waves around us. When we get caught up in the chaos and activity of life, it's pretty easy to lose sight of God. The busier we get, the more we begin to rely on our own gifts and our own abilities. And the more we rely on ourselves, the easier it is to forget that God is the source of our being. But maybe it's not busyness. Say we get bad news from a doctor. It's easy to focus on the struggle ahead of us and maybe even to wrestle with our own mortality. But again, in all that wrestling, we lose sight of God, or even worse than that. We begin to think things like, I'm a good person. How can this happen to me? 
Maybe God doesn't care about me. And the doubts start to gnaw away at us. Activity and chaos begins to cause us to take our eyes off God and sink further under the water. Now you can say, Eric, you said this story was about faith, not doubt. Right, I'm, I'm getting there, trust me. I want to leave you with some good news today. Unlike Peter, we don't have Lord Jesus physically standing with us, ready to catch us as we begin to sink. But that doesn't mean Lord Jesus is not right here with us. You see, Christians believe that as a result of the resurrection, Lord Jesus is now and always fully God, fully glorified man. This means he's no longer bound by time and space in a physical body like ours. We believe that Lord Jesus is with every person, whether that person believes he is truly God or not. He stands with all of us, waiting for us to come to him in faith. And wherever you are in your faith of Lord Jesus, I want to let you know one thing. He is standing with you. And the moment you need help, have faith that he is with you, that he loves you, and that he will extend his hand to you when you need it the most. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. Well, once again, thank you so much for joining me. I hope and pray that you continue to seek God, asking for visions and clarity on all these Christian claims I make. If you want some resources for further study, I encourage you to take a look at the stories from the Bible I referenced in this podcast. The Bible translation I use is the Christian Standard Bible. You can read the Christian Standard Bible by downloading the YouVersion app and selecting the CSB translation as your Bible of choice. And remember, on December 24th, I will be putting out a special episode titled, What is Christmas? So stay tuned and stay with me as we gather together on Christmas Eve and celebrate the great miracle of Lord Jesus' birth. And that sound means it's time to wrap up. If you like this podcast, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you stay up to date on all new podcast episodes. Also, would you take a minute and review this podcast? The more reviews the podcast receives, the more it comes up as a recommendation for other people. The more it comes up as a recommendation, the more other folks get a chance to hear answers to their thoughtful questions. If you have specific questions about what you heard on the show, or want me to elaborate a bit more on a point I made, you can submit questions to our official Twitter handle, at Rev Eric Mason, or by visiting our page at www.anchor.fm forward slash Muslims Want to Know. I will do my best to answer those questions in future podcasts. I also encourage you to reach out to a Christian friend or coworker and ask them about things you hear on this podcast. If you hear something about Islam you didn't know before, research it or ask your Muslim friends or imam about it. As always, I thank you so much for joining me today, and God bless.